This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention, I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And this is going to be a Cosmic Queries edition, the ever popular format that we started many years ago. And it just keeps going strong. Uh, and today's topic is going to be. The multiverse. I got with me my co-host, Chuck. Hey, Neil. How are you? Chuck, nice. You know, you, you're getting such a schooling here with all this cosmic knowledge. And yes, we're gonna I have am. To, we're going to have to give you a degree of your own. No, 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 because then that, that may, you know, normally once you get the degree, that means that your time at the institution is over unless you start paying more money. <laughs> okay, so they kick you out the front door. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so I'm just going to continue to, I'm just staying in school forever. That's Lifelong all. learner. All That's right. That's it. Just stay in school. <laughs> <laughs> well, this topic is in part celebration for the release of the second Star Talk book. And guess what that book is called, Chuck? Um, let me take a, a stab at it. Could it possibly be Cosmic Queries? Cosmic Queries, inspired by this very format. Yes. Um, there are questions that people just ask that are so deep and so interesting, and not all of them can we get to it, it on a podcast. And so we have to, like, take it to the book. And so there's a whole section in that book on the multiverse. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And I learned almost everything I know about the multiverse from our guest today. And that is the one and the only Max Tegmark. Max, welcome back. I mean, I've had you, I've had you in other events at the museum for Hayden Planetarium um, panels and things. It's just always good to know you're in arm's reach of us. Thank you. But, you know, you just said something dubious. You said the one and only Max Tegmark. And if you take the multiverse seriously, 
I'm not the one and only. Damn, I just got schooled on my first sentence. (laughs) 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 But, uh, But Max, we go way back. I mean, when you were at the Institute for Advanced Study and I was postdocing at Princeton, I think that's when I first met you and I followed your career. It's been a brilliant melange of topics that are just so interesting. And the, and the multiverse is the least among them that I have found interesting in your career. So we'll have to have you back for other topics for sure. Um, plus, Chuck. Wow, that is know, that is a serious compliment. If if, if that, the, you know what I mean, the, if the, the universe is a side. It's, it's, right. it's a side gig. Mul- multiple universes <laughs> are the least interesting thing. Like, I'm sorry, I, you know, I, I'm just leveling with you here. Wow. To be honest, guys, it has been officially my side gig all along. Just so I wouldn't tank my career with it, because like when I was a grad student, I was already fascinated by this, but. Nobody else seemed to be, and it was generally considered a bit too fringe. So I played the multiverse very close to my chest, and I didn't even, I even wrote some papers when I was a grad student. I didn't show my advisor until after he had signed my PhD thesis. Under a pseudonym, John Doe. Yes, okay. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. And it's so weird how now gradually some of these topics have actually come in a bit from the cold and gone from being just considered career-ending to being things that are considered <laughs> legitimate scientific controversies that we actually talk about openly at physics conferences. So you're a professor of physics at MIT, of course, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, uh, basically up the street in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And and uh, Chuck, I've always been jealous of this man's name. It's like movie star Max Tegmark it, it starring. Is. It does. It's you know. It, it it could be either the star of the show or the producer. This is a Max Tegmark, Tegmark production. Productions. Yeah, it exactly. works. It works either way. All the all all of the above. Right. And, and and Max, you've got a couple of books under your belt. At least uh, one of my favorites is our mathematical universe where you argue that everything is math, and if everything is math, someone could have programmed it that way. And so a brilliant exercise there. And of course, Life 3.0, where you're exploring the future of what we even think of as life. And I've enjoyed both of those books. So thanks for, I, I think of them as a gift to civilization to share in how you think about this world. And I enjoyed the conversation that I heard on NPR about your book about... About mathematical universe. Okay. <laughs> but now we have the guy, we got him ourselves here. Okay? Exactly. You know, actually, I, I changed the name of that book in the last second for reasons we're going to talk about now. The first title was The Mathematical Universe. And then I thought, that's so arrogant. If we really believe that there are other universes, we shouldn't just say the universe, our, ours. We should talk about be more humble and acknowledge that it might just be our universe might not be the only one. Okay, all right. So so we went through a, a, a brief last-minute title change so that you wouldn't sound like an a-hole about right. it. <laughs> we used to talk about the solar system, and then we right. realized, oops, there are others, right? Yeah, or, yeah, or the universe, and no, I'm, we're not saying that anymore. It's our universe. I like right. that. No, yeah. it's, it's, a good, it's a good shift for that. You change so, the universe into the humbleverse. That's cool. Ooh, humbleverse. Very oh. good, Chuck. Making up words on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so, Max, tell me, what motivated people to you and your, you know, either you early on when you were doing this 
sort of under the cover of night to what is now mainstream research on the multiverse. What motivated it? Well, I think, first of all, throughout human history, you know, we've had this epiphany again and again that, hey, stuff is bigger than we thought. And we, you know, we used to go into it with this hubristic assumption that all we knew about was all, was all there was, kind of like an ostrich with a head in the sound. And then people realized... Oh, by the way, the, the corollary to it's bigger than we thought is we're littler than we thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the flip exactly. side of that coin. We realized we're actually we're part of this huge, we're standing on this huge round ball in space, which in turn is just part of this gigantic solar system, part of a galaxy, part of a cluster of galaxies, part of a supercluster, part of this that we then would call our universe. And, and uh, you know, why stop there? So pe people started wondering, could there be still more? And the earliest people got into much more trouble, you know, than I ever did in grad school, like Giordano Bruno, 400 years ago, started talking about how maybe space went on forever. And you know what happened to him, right? Yeah, he was uh, burned at the stake upside down mm. with, with, a, with a, something plugged into his mouth wow. so that even in death, he could not repeat these heresies. They, they, they drove a stake into his mouth so that even when he died, you know. You know, that's what I liked about that time. Overkill. <laughs> overkill. <laughs> Everything was overkill. So, you know... Now, you know, I went to Campo dei Fiori, actually, in Rome, where this happened. And I started to think, you know, compared to that, that just getting burned on the job market is a lot less of a, a threat. So we're making some progress. And it's a little bit of progress. <laughs> but, uh, what's kind of but just to be clear, that square that uh, in, in, in Italy, uh, there is, in all fairness, there is a statue to him where he's looking very solemn, but it's a very honorific statue yeah. in his memory. It is. Yeah. I, yeah. Small, small consolation for being burned at the stake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take life, you keep your statue. Is that what you're telling yeah. me? Thank, thank you, yeah. exactly. But, but you asked this very good question, what drove us to these things? And it's basically just uh, natural, logical steps. It's just, you know, Euclid himself, postulated that space is infinite, right? When, and when we were kids and we started wondering, does this space go on forever? It seemed pretty natural that there wouldn't just be an end to it, right? So if you just take that idea logically, then that means that the part we can see, right, this is finite because light has only reached us from this spherical region that it could get here from during the 13.8 billion years since our Big Bang. So if that's what we call our universe, then... By definition, there are others, other regions of space, just as big, just as cool, and uh, it's sort of hard to dismiss. Right now, we don't. Ha I don't have a single astrophysics colleague anymore who thinks space magically ends right at that edge. And in fact, you can just wait one day and you see some more light arriving from farther away, right? And then, and then, so that's what I call the level one multiverse, just other regions of space that we haven't had any access to. But then it gets, it gets kind of weirder. So, wait, wait, so, so initially, the, it wasn't that people were motivated to try to answer some other question. They just more fully explored what we were already thinking and already knew to be true about the universe. So in that sense, it's not some epiphany. It's just an extension of what we're already thinking. Is that a fair way to think about your level one multiverse? I think so. And I think a lot of the pushback, honestly, wasn't really based on science so much, but based on arrogant hubris, you know, uh, we, the reason Pope Urban the Eighth or whatever was so pissed at Galileo 
you know, wasn't because he had a good scientific argument, but he, we were so stuck to the idea that we, everything orbits around us. You know, we humans are so important. And we didn't like to be demoted to just being an average planet and an average solar system orbiting a galaxy, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I think we see still a little bit of that today. Some people argue that they don't like this idea of reality being even bigger just because it makes their egos feel even smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, after, after the last four years, I, I can't imagine that people would actually have hold to those sentiments. <laughs> All right, so uh, what I don't know, because I haven't quizzed people, is what are they thinking of when they hear multiverse? And my, my sense is they're thinking maybe a parallel universe that you might be able to, to sort of move between at some distant future time. Uh, so is there any truth to the concept of a parallel universe in the way it's commonly thought of in the public? Is there an evil Chuck somewhere? <laughs> with, with a goatee? Oh, you already have a goatee. <laughs> is there a clean-shaven <laughs> evil Chuck? <laughs> You are the evil Chuck, Chuck. Oh, my God. Chuck. <laughs> oh, my God, that's right. Just think that through. <laughs> What's incredibly confusing here is that different people mean different things when they say universe, and they mean they talk about different kinds of... Uh, and In fact, I remember once very vividly, Martin Rees had organized a conference in his house about these forbidden topics. And I just heard two... Chuck, these are the kind of friends we have. That you get that. You know, right. You get invited for tea... And you've solved the issues of the universe. Well, okay, go on. You know, this was considered pretty taboo back then, but because Martin was organizing it, people still came and behaved. And But I noticed the two people were arguing about the multiverse, and, and I realized they're talking past each other. One guy was talking about the, what we call the inflationary multiverse, which is just really big space, and we can get back to that. Another guy was talking about the quantum multiverse, and they thought they were talking about the same thing. So I, I felt I have, I stood up and said, hey, wait a minute. Aren't there actually three different, no, four different kinds of multiverse that we should give different names to to not confuse ourselves so much? And then I wrote that up in, in the book you, men, you mentioned. But just to be clear, the book that you're talking about is um, you you, post, you posted something. It's online, which is a very clean and clear exposition of the multiple levels of the multiverse. And that's what we referenced when we included, when we fleshed out our section on the multiverse in Cosmic Queries. So I just want to be clear that, you know, you're not just pulling this out of your ass. This is, you, you've thought about this for a long time. So I think it's very important to just, yeah, be clear on what we're talking about. Yeah, thank you. So if by our universe, we mean what astronomers call our observable universe. It's just this spherical region of space from which light has reached us so far, you know, this. Then what I call the level one multiverse is just other parts of space that are so far away that light hasn't reached us yet. Level two multiverse is what you get if you take seriously Alan Guth and Andre Linde and others and the theory of inflation that made our space so big, which says that far, far away in the same space now, you have something much more diverse than you might have thought, where even um, the number of different kinds of quarks could be different or the sort of forces that are there are different, and we can talk about why. And then there's this third kind, and that's what gets more into the parallel evil feeling thing which has to do with studying not the big, but the very small, studying quantum mechanics, where you can argue, and people love arguing about that at physics conferences, that in some sense, our reality feels like it's splitting out into parallel branches. And that's the whole, if that is true, you can tap into that weirdness by building quantum computers. 
And then finally, there's the fourth one, which is so weird that almost nobody except myself believe in it, uh, which is the biggest. And I think of all of this as a, basically Russian dolls. It, they're nested. They're all in, inside of each other, right? You start with our universe. Many of those, that's level one. Many of those, that makes level two. Many of those makes level three. And many of those makes the ultimate one, the, the fourth level. So these, wow. are, these, are, these are multiverses of multiverses. That's right. That's right. Uh, but the only one that ever gets any real attention is that kind of, you know, um, tree limb version that you put, pick, that you depicted, this splintering, uh, when, uh, you know, where there's so many different uh, infinite paths that are separate yet existing simultaneously. That seems to be the one that captures the imagination of every sci-fi writer and and even Rick and Morty, which is like a hugely <laughs> popular show. I mean, it's like, it's, it's you know, it, it, because I think you could do so much with it. You know, there's an infant number of Ricks and they're all geniuses. <laughs> so they, you know, so, how, I mean, you have an unlimited uh, um, reservoir of stories to tell. Chuck, Chuck, Max is Rick. Okay. <laughs> we got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go straight into our questions from our Patreon members when Star Talk Cosmic Queries returns. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more... FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. 
PXG Black Ops Driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops Drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash startalk, code startalk. Hi, I'm Chris Cohen from Haworth, New Jersey, and I support StarTalk on Patreon. Please enjoy this episode of StarTalk Radio with your and my favorite personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're back, Cosmic Queries, the multiverse edition. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Max, we've got uh, Max Tegmark, professor of physics from... MIT. I've known him for 25 years, and no longer 30 years, I think. I'm glad. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we that old? In every universe. In every universe. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck, for clarifying <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, Max, you're into so many things. Uh, into AI. Into um, most recently, you've been thinking about news and the biases in news. Um, but I, I just love the work you're doing. It's fun to follow you uh, from afar. And so we've got you on this program to talk about the multiverse, because that's one of your many expertise. And Chuck, you've got questions for us. Let's do it. Okay, let's just jump right into uh, all the questions that we have taken from our Patreon patrons, the people who support us uh, out of their substance to keep our show going. So thank you guys for your support. And if you uh, are listening to this and you want to be a Patreon member, go to patreon.com slash starttalk. And uh, and give us some support, and maybe I'll reach her. Uh, maybe, <laughs> I didn't know that's how you were going to end that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll maybe, think about maybe it. I'll, maybe I'll think about reading your letter. No, of course I'm joking. Of course I'll read your letter, and I'll butcher your name, no doubt. Okay, all right. No doubt. Here we give go. It to me. All right, this is Eric Gross. He says, hello, fellow Earthikins. Uh, can you explain the mind-boggling idea of infinite... Infinities. Oh, wow. Ooh. Wow. That's a good one. Wow. Yes. That's a great well, question. How about this? Wait, so Max, let's 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 start simple and let me ask you, what does it mean for one infinity to be bigger than another? <laughs> and then let's take it from that into that directly into the question. Let's drive the truck right into that question. One infinity in- big wait a minute, guys. Give me one second here. Uh, what, 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 Chuck? Uh, all right. Sorry, I gotta get this little pipe here. No, before we begin. Uh, you know, if we go, if we gonna talk about one infinity being bigger than another, <laughs> I'm just saying you I got, need to be I need to be prepared. The, the pipe has to be right there. Okay. So if you exactly. have a pile of oranges and you have a pile of apples and you want to know is it the same number of apples as oranges? The way you do it is, is you, if you can pair up each apple with exactly one orange. 
you say the two numbers are the same. So now play that game with infinities and weird stuff happens. Uh, let me, for example, you might think that there are more numbers, one, two, three, four, five, than there are even numbers, you know, two, four, six, but they're actually the same because you can pair them up. I can pair up one with two. I can pair up eight with 16. I pair up every number with one that's twice as big, which is always even. So it's very counterintuitive. So for a while, mathematicians started to... But just to be clear, you just said something, but not everyone knows this, Yeah, Max, that twice any number, any whole number, is always an even number. Thanks for clarifying, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is always the case. So you can't take twice anything and end up twice a whole number and get an odd number. So when you say twice the number... That's always even. That's a that's a, a, a fundamental fact about mathematics. Okay, that's right. And, and the, pick me up. The, the, the quite weird conclusion is that some infinities, which intuitively would seem like they're much bigger, are actually all the same size. And some mathematicians start to think maybe all infinities are the same size. But then George Cantor came along and said, "No, there are some infinities that are even bigger." And he proved famously that the uh, number of real numbers, like 3.1415 with infinitely many decimals, that there are actually more of those than the numbers you can count. And after that, people have realized that there's this whole tower of infinities. So what that, what's that got to do with parallel universes and this question? Well, it's got a lot to do actually with the level one and the level two multiverse. Because Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Chuck has to take a toke. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Toke break. Yes, exactly. So, so, let me, so far, this is good. This is great. I mean, take a deep breath because I'm going to tell you one of the things that I find the weirdest. This is one of the weirdest things I believe to be true. And if Max okay. finds it weird, brace yourself. It's got, go. Right, exactly. It is actually impossible. It is, according to Einstein's theory of general relativity, possible to take a little piece of space, just finite, and inside of there, make an infinite space that doesn't stick out anywhere. And actually infinitely many, and make many different infinite spaces inside of this finite thing. So uh, Alan Guth, Andre Linde, and others came up with this most popular theory we have so far for what put the bang into our big bang, right? And made this expanding uh, universe of ours, starting with something tinier than an atom. It's very, very big. And... Uh, the ultimate party trick is inside of this tiny region, they can not only make one space, which when you live in it, it feels infinite. That's a level one multiverse for you in there. So it has room for infinitely many of our universes. But you can have <laughs> infinitely many of those within there. And uh, So you can have an infinite number of infinitely large universes in a finite universe. Basically, that, that's why it feels so utterly weird. And the way that general relativity kind of pulls this trick is because even though it was a finite volume of space, it has an infinite amount of future time to play with, and it keeps stretching the space. And then general relativity has this funny thing where it can kind of mix up space and time so that for someone who lives inside this, what they consider to be space was something that you might have considered a little bit of time. and. Uh, <clears throat> I don't want to get too nerdy about this, but, you know, Einstein told us that what really we should... Only fun. now are you saying you don't want to get too nerdy? <laughs> it's, it's only just occurred to you now. <laughs> I think you already blew it. But, <laughs> but, you know, Einstein told us, right, that we shouldn't think of reality as a three-dimensional place where stuff happens, but rather as 
time being just the fourth dimension and this never changing place called space time. So if like if if life is a movie, then uh, space time is the whole DVD. And basically, because you have this infinite future time to mess with, if you can sort of bend your definition of what space is in there, this is how Alan Guth and Andre Linde and Alex Vilenkin and others have have demonstrated this apparently crazy thing that maybe everything we see here in infinity of infinities could actually be emerging inside of this little bubble. So just to clarify your DVD analogy, what you're saying is we live as prisoners of the present, transitioning from our past to our future. So we experience a moment in time and many places in space. But if you have the whole DVD of the movie, then your entire timeline is manifest in that place, in that all at once. All at once. All the time. Of your life is in that right. DVD. And you can, you can have random access wow. to it um, if, you ha- if you can move throughout the time coordinate. Yeah. Is that a fair right. reference to how you use the concept of DVD? It is. It is. And, uh, you know, okay. I, yeah, that's right. Einstein even told some of his friends that they shouldn't worry so much about his death because he, he argued that it's just the, from a space-time perspective an illusion. It's not like... right. Because I'm already dead, man. And so are you. We're all dead, man. And we're not. I haven't even been born yet, man. And I'm dead. What? It is pretty weird, Chuck. I mean, I'm sure sometimes people come up to you when they're lost and ask, hey, excuse me, but uh, where am I, right? But they never come and ask, when am I? Right. In colloquial English, we, we treat time as a very different sort of thing as space. Uh, whereas uh, when we say what's the time, that's actually very arrogant. D- just like talking about the universe or the solar system. The, what is the time? I mean, that, that's saying that somehow the, the, the instant when we're having this experience is the only time. I mean, all the other times, past and present in space-time, have just as much claim to be real. They certainly felt real to people who had experiences then, right? So if we, we want to be a little bit more rigorous, we should always go ask people, excuse me, uh, when am I? Then you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are right now at this particular time having, having this experience. Wow. Okay, wow, so that doesn't wow. have the arrogance that it otherwise would by asking what is the time. I mean, it's like going up and saying, what is the place? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, of course, where I am is the only place. So. <laughs> All right, Chuck, give me some more questions. All right. Wow, that was oof, way to way to kick things off. That is something else. All right, let's move on to uh, you know this that that other level you talk about. This is Chris, Chris Hampton. Could the parallel universe theory and the multiverse theory be combined? For example, we are living in a universe with billions of other organisms, but what if each organism in the universe is itself a universe? On a relative scale, each one thus containing billions of organisms, so on and so on. So he's taking your nesting doll and breaking it all the way down to every single organism. Right, but yeah, he's thinking, um, I mean, I, so, so Max, if we have, have as a lead into that, the early concept of the atom, where people said, oh my gosh, atoms have structure and there's a nucleus and there's electrons orbiting. So that's just like the solar system. So maybe it's like turtles all the way down. So how do we go from 
any understanding of scales of it's, everything's just on a different scale rather than something that's a completely different universe unto itself? Yeah, very good question. We see, of course, in nature this really beautiful hierarchy, right? You have some quarks stuck together into neutrons and protons that are stuck together into this big thing we call a nucleus, stuck together in an atom, and then you can make molecules and cells, and you can make Neil deGrasse Tyson and this society and a planet and a galaxy, etc. Uh, what's different about the hierarchy of, of universes is, is uh, it's not just that the hierarchy exists, but by definition, I like to define a universe, our universe, as everything that we could possibly have any access to with unlimited funding and never mind the other stuff that's in the way, right? Uh, so if you're one person in a society, there are a lot of people you haven't met, but you could in principle meet them. Uh, so they're not part of another universe. You could in principle go to Uruguay even if you've never been there, right? But you can never go 100 billion light years in that direction, even if you wanted to. It's It's just off limits to you. That's basically the definition I think is helpful about universe. Um, okay, but otherwise we'd use the term sort of poetically or metaphorically, like the cell is a universe unto itself. Yeah. You know, I, so I think that's fair poetically, but you're saying from the world of physics, no, that's not how we use the term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's mm -hmm. whatever, we need to have, a, a we should have a word for everything we can access. It's very important for us especially in the future, both if we're curious, that's the limits of what we can observe. And if we're ambitious, that's also setting roughly the limits of where we could ever go in the future. So if you don't want to call it universe, call it universe or make up another word for it, but it deserves to be called <laughs> something, right? And we, where space, I think, is a word that's better used to actually describe all of space. And it's not the same thing. Space is probably bigger than our universe. We have confirmed that Chuck lives in the Schmooniverse, just to be yes, clear. Yes, the Schmooniverse is it's where all dismissive people live. Universe, Schmooniverse. Yeah, whatever. Could there be the Tuniverse? So it's or the two, I, I don't mind the Tuniverse. Now you're making me hungry. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Chris Hampton, actually, uh, it, it looks like he, from what you just said, is speaking of smoking, is that whole, hey, man, there's a universe in my thumbnail, like that whole vibe. That's, yeah. That seems to be where <laughs> right, he's coming right, from. Right. But it is, I like what you said, Neil. The reason people use it poetically in that sense is because we think we refer to things poetically as a universe unto its own, basically, if it really is doing its own thing and not interacting with the rest, right? Which mm -hmm. is what we're trying to capture scientifically here. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I I I got to I want to ask my own question but I don't want to I don't want to take up these people's time. Okay. Chuck, are you a Patreon member? If not, shut the hell up and read the next <laughs> question. Okay. <laughs> well, Neil, I got to tell you, you have bested me, sir, cuz that was a damn good point. <laughs> oh my god. Hold on. Now I got to go online right now. You know, <laughs> I got to get on Patreon right now. So I can ask my question. All right, here we go. This is uh, Curtis. <laughs> oh man, you really got me with that one. Okay. This is Curtis Curtis Lee uh Zadelhack. Uh, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. He says, first and foremost, my name is pronounced Zadohawk. Okay. So I, okay. I was wrong, but I got it close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Conceptually, I do not really understand how a multiverse affects our universe. 
What is the most important effect on our universe? And I'm going to paraphrase that and say, is there any observational evidence that such a thing exists? And we're going to get to that in the next segment. we got to take a quick break. (laughs) Cliffhanger! So when we come back, more Star Talk Cosmic Queries with my longtime friend and colleague, multiversicist (laughs) Max Tegmark on Star Talk. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash StarTalk. Visit IXL.com slash StarTalk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Time for a Patreon shout-out to the following Patreon patrons, Eric Columbell, David Johnston, and Tracy Fox. Guys, you're the best, and we are so appreciative of your support. And for anybody out there who would like their very own Patreon shout-out, do what these guys did. Go to patreon.com slash Radio and support us. We're back. StarTalk Cosmic Queries. Multiverse edition. Or is it the schmultiverse? 
<laughs> we were trying to figure out <laughs> a creative naming of these things. I got Max Tegmark. Max, what, what's your Twitter handle? It's simply Tegmark. Tegmark. Yeah, look at that. Damn. That's wow. The only Tegmark in the world. Doesn't even need a first let, just Tegmark. <laughs> well, if you believe in the multiverse, then there's undoubtedly some other planet out there with someone who looks exactly like me and talks like me. But the first one you come to will probably be named Schmegmark or <laughs> something else. Because if you take seriously this idea that space is just infinite and started out a little bit differently in different places, it's much more likely to get someone who is kind of sort of like me, but not exactly. Right. Okay. That's you. There you go. Well, I mean, in the, in the meantime, uh, uh, that's not a problem for Twitter. So, <laughs> <laughs> Plus, there's that scene where they have the whole room of a million monkeys typing away on a typewriter, and they're right. trying to get the works of Shakespeare. And so they finally get one. It was like, to be... Or not to Schwingenbrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, there is about a Google particles you have to put together right in our observable universe. So the one with a hundred zeros. So you actually have to try about a Googleplex times, which is one with a Google zeros after it until you get it right, which is why your nearest clone might be ridiculously far away. So I love the question you just asked before we got cut off there about What's the evidence for this? Is this just silly? Uh... Yeah, Chuck, who asked that again? That would be Curtis uh, Zeidelhawk. Yeah, right. he's wondering, Zeidelhawk. do we feel, see this other universe? And so another the official way to say that is, do we have experimental evidence that they exist? Right, or, or is this just what you talk about at, at, the, at the beer halls? So it's a, it's a really great question because by definition of the, what you mean by uh, universe you are not affected by things outside of it. So isn't that, by definition, untestable? And the interesting thing is, no, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, first of all, if you just take the theory that space is actually much bigger than we thought and with more stuff in it, right? <laughs> if that's false, that would mean that actually things kind of end at exactly the edge that we can see now. That's very testable. You just wait a little bit and then light from farther away reaches you and keeps coming into view. And so we've already falsified that many times over. Now, uh, there's a more profound way in which you can test this also, though. We have to remember in science, right, we test theories. And for a theory to be testable, you don't have to be able to test everything that it predicts, just at least one thing. Take Einstein's theory of general relativity, right? It predicts all sorts of stuff that we can observe, like how Mercury orbits around the sun in a different way than people thought it was supposed to because of Newton. Um, we can test that. We can test how light is bent by gravity, et cetera. But it also predicts what happens inside of black holes, which you know very well we cannot go and observe and then come back and tell our friends about it. Why do we still take it seriously? What happens inside black holes? Because this theory of, of general relativity has passed so many other tests that we could test, that we also start taking seriously its untestable predictions. And you can't just do say, well, I know I kind of like what Einstein's theory predicts for the motion of mercury and gravitational lensing and yada, yada, yada. But I don't like the interior black holes. I'm just going to opt out of that. Like if I go to Starbucks and say, I want my coffee, but I'm going to opt out of the caffeine and have decaf. That's not the way science works. If you, if you want to opt out of the black holes, then go come up with your own gravitational theory, which doesn't have black holes in it, but still succeeds in everything Einstein's theory did. 
that turns out to be such a tall order that despite a lot of smart people trying, you know, for 100 years, they've all failed. So, wow. so what's that got to do with the multiverse? Well, uh, replace general relativity now with the theory of inflation with, that we talked about. It makes a bunch of testable predictions. It predicts that our universe should be expanding, that it should be very uniform. Wait, wait, just to be clear, you're not, you're not actually replacing general relativity. You're enclosing it. Yeah. In, Which, the, in inflation, isn't that correct? Correct. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. We take general relativity and then we add an, it's some additional assumptions to mm-hmm. it. That mm-hmm. there is a certain kind of substance there which behaves in a certain way. And then we do the math. And it predicts all sorts of things that we've tested now successfully with great prediction, like these ripples in the microwave background, their statistical patterns. For example, I've worked, as you know, a lot on, on trying to rule out this theory of inflation and I've failed. And because of that, we take it seriously, and we also have to then take seriously the things inflation predicts that we cannot test, such as that space is actually way bigger than our universe. Wow. Okay, that's, I think that's an excellent, excellent way to think about it. So, so if the one theory has these multiple consequences, it's okay if some of them you'll nev- you can't or you never will if the ones that you can test turn out to be correct. Right. And you exactly. say, if this is correct, I'm going to take a stronger look over, I'm going to start thinking about this. By the way, is it fair to say, Max, that if you explore the things you cannot measure, you might come up with a discovery that you can measure? Very true, too, because very often when people have been going off and thinking about these things, which they knew they could never test, they came, it led them to ask questions, which led them back. To back to a whole fresh way. Could test. Excellent. For example, another very good reason, not just to, we shouldn't think of these cool things just because they're fun, but they often turn out to be very useful. People started thinking about what the ultimate building blocks of matter were and atoms and so on. And people for a long time thought that was completely useless. But then by thinking about that, they invented quantum mechanics, which gave us the whole com- computer technology, which lets us have this podcast now and so on. And that, wow. that's a... So, and that's another example, actually, of exactly this, this same question. The quantum parallel universes, of course, we can't visit them either. But quantum mechanics predicts so much else that we can test. And to, it turned out to be very, very difficult to come up with a theory of physics that predicts only the some sort of creation mechanism for our universe that creates only the part we can see and then stops and doesn't make anything more. So let me ask you this, with, with respect to what you're saying. Chuck, you're not are a there... Patreon member yet. That's right. You never know what I did during the break, I don't know guys. what you did during the break. Okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. I'll let you slip so, one in. Go. All right. So, Max, with respect to what you just said, are there things that we are able to observe or at least able to observe the forces thereof that remain a mystery that may in some way be attached to the multiverse theory? I would is, say, isn't that what we just answered? Is that, is, are, you, are you saying, Chuck, if the multiverse is what it is, is there some piece of it dangling and visible in our own universe? Yes, that we're observing. Mm-hmm. That, but, but, but we're actually observing, but it's still a mystery. Like, you know, are there mysteries that are that are observable that? Oh, I, like, I got it, Chuck. Yeah, I'm gonna re, I'm gonna re, I'm gonna recast your question. You ready, Chuck? Okay, okay. Okay. Go ahead. Are there deep mysteries in our own universe that could themselves 
be evidence of a multiverse, and we have yet to put the two together. How's that, Chuck? That's what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, so no, that's, that's not what you said. That's you, you, that you is so what mangled I it. <laughs> but I didn't mangle it enough that you didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> and I will answer it with a resounding yes. Okay. Take dark energy, for example. We all know by now that we have no clue what 95% of our universe is made of, and most of it is made of this weird stuff called dark energy. And what's really odd about it is when you work out exactly how much there is in the sort of most natural units of measurement that we would do in physics, we get this number, which is 0 0.00000 with 123 zeros and then a one. And it, we wonder, like, why is that? It turns out, if you look closer, that if you have a little bit more, we would all be dead. There wouldn't be any <laughs> galaxies actually ever formed. And if you had less, so this was a bit negative, we would be inside of a black hole by now and also not having this conversation. So why is it that our universe was so fine-tuned that the amount of dark energy was dialed into just that very special value that let us have this conversation? That is one of the those mysteries, Chuck, I think that you're fishing for here. We Some people said, well, tough luck. We Sometimes we're just lucky. Let's just be grateful for it and shut up. Other people said, maybe this is evidence that we were designed either by a divine being or by some simulator who tuned our universe, especially to be able to have life. In, uh, in the parents' basement, they did this, yes. <laughs> and then, but then if you actually have parallel, a parallel, this thing with space being very big, with parallel universes, with all sorts of different values of that knob setting in different places, suddenly you have an actual simple explanation for this. The picture you get then is that the space, bigger space is like the Sahara Desert. It's mostly just a barren wasteland with no galaxies. But in a few places, you know, that knob is set just right. And you have an oasis where there is life and there are galaxies and there is star talk, you know. And surprise, surprise, of course, that's where we're going to be having these conversations. So well, just maybe, to be clear, it's not that it was set that way. It's that if you have an infinite or a huge number of these universes where the knobs are set at random, one of those random knob settings will be the right combination for us. It's like tuning, tuning your dial up, up, up and down. What used to be radio, kids. There used to be a thing. <laughs> used to be this thing called radio, guys, where you would actually tune your dial. And mm -hmm. like most of it was just noise. white noise yeah, and yeah. empty. But yeah. every once in a while, you would come across somebody talking or some music or something like that. Exactly. Oh, that is freaking brilliant. Yeah. God, I love science. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay, keep going. All right, here okay. we go. Here we go. We got a, just this a few is, minutes left. See if we can squeeze them all in. All right, here we go. This is Woody. And Woody says, what are your thoughts on how a multiverse could actually begin? Would each one require a Big Bang? And how many of those would end up with a Chuck being possible? Okay. <laughs> the Chuckiverse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that ain't whatever. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, so, so, Max, does everyone have a Big Bang just like us? That's a great question. Yeah, so... I've actually had a total rethink about the Big Bang concept because first I was taught that that's the beginning. And now it's pretty clear if you take inflation theory seriously, you should think of the Big Bang just as the end of this crazy creative inflation process in our little part of space when things calm down enough that you can make galaxies and evolve a Neil and a Chuck. And other, in other places, it kind of keeps going. So even if you have only one bang, but that it keeps going ad infinitum, you will end up having many, many different regions where it stops and, and you get what we would call a level one multiverse, you know, with a universe. So all it takes is ultimately one bang. 
to get it all. And, and if you have each one of those places where it stops being actually infinite, then no matter how unlikely it is that you, Chuck, arise because the particles started out in exactly the right configurations for your mom to meet your dad and all of that, the probability wasn't zero because it happened here. And you're rolling the dice infinitely many times now, right? So it's guaranteed. Well, there you go. And by the way, both my parents lost on that bet. So on the roll of that dice. <laughs> I mean, with, by making you, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Okay. All right. <laughs> Believe me, I was not a good kid. All right. All right keep it going. This is, here we go. Uh, this is Cameron Bishop. Hello, Max. Hello, Neil. I've always been curious. Is it flawed to ask what's between these universes? Love it. Is that measurable space? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that's yes. a great question. So between the different level one multiverses and the level two multiverse, there is still space. But that space in between is still doing this inflation thing and doubling its size over and over and over again in regular intervals. That's why it's impenetrable. Because... If you start flying through, go for a while, and now you're still farther away from where you're supposed to go. It's expanding than faster than you can gain distance through it. Exactly. Exponentially. Wow. Okay. All right. That's great. That's super cool. All right. Okay, but wait, wait, but in the quantum multiverse, there are actually whole other space times. It's not one space time system, right? The, yeah, the quantum multiverse, the level three, lives in a bigger space we call Hilbert space, which may even have infinitely many dimensions. So. I hear the rents there out of control. <laughs> the Hilbert space. Yeah, the property values are just <laughs> off the charts Wait. in Hilberg. <laughs> Something has to be done about Hilberg, damn it. So, but, so what would you call what was between those quantum universes? In the quantum case, it's much more tricky. Uh, when quantum mechanics was first invented, People didn't know about this, this phenomenon called decoherence. It was only discovered by Hans-Dieter Tse in 1970, and he should be more famous than he is, which is a kind of censorship mechanism that explains why we don't experience all those other weird quantum realities if they're actually there. Basically, what comes out of the math is that these quantum superpositions, as they're called, they only survive as long as they're kept secret. And whenever something gets really big, you know, air molecules bounce off, uh, photons bounce off, and the secret is out. It's like you tell a friend, they tell a friend, and so on. And that's why big things like us always seem to be, only be in one place at once. And, and we can only experience and measure quantum weirdness with tiny things that can keep their properties secret. So, Chuck, time for that last toke on that pipe. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm telling you right there. That's, wow. That was... That was cool. Chuck, and did, what's it do, called? What's it called? D what now? Decoherence. Decoherence. No, here's Chuck. When your kids are babbling on and you don't know what they're saying, say, stop being decoherent. Yeah, don't be decoherent, okay? <laughs> that's, you quantum that, dummy. That's worse than incoherent. You are decoherent. Right. You are decoherent. <laughs> yeah, they're just decohering the whole conversation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Okay. Chuck, give me one last question and see if, if Max has a soundbite in him to answer because that's all the time we have left for it. Go. Okay. This is Jay Hunt. Greetings, Neil and Max. Uh, this is Jeff from Titan. My question <laughs> okay. is... The Titan, the moon uh, of, of Saturn, yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah, you got to love that, mm -hmm. right? Uh, my question that is... That means it's full of methane gas, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Gotta cut oh, down man. on those beans, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, watch out for the beans. My, right, go on. My question, <laughs> my question is, 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 a, is a new multiverse created every time we make a this or that decision? So the idea that the yeah. infinite number of possibilities mm. are not actually possibilities until we make one of those possibilities. Fantastic question about the level three multiverse. Basically, if you make a snap decision that you're really torn about, right, what ends up happening might come down to the position of a single little calcium ion somewhere in some synaptic junction. And where, depending on where it is... Of your brain, yeah. Mm-hmm. Off the things go and you end up with a completely different pattern and either you decide to say yes to that date and live happily ever after or say no and do something different, right? So that can, a micro superposition can get amplified into something that's so different macroscopically that this decoherence thing comes along and makes these two things really, really separate. So in that sense, yes, when you make a decision that really could have made both ways, you are, in a sense, if the level three multiverse is real, creating two parallel realities that are equally real. And each one of you is only, of course, aware of one outcome and is going to think that's all that happened. Oh, my God. That is crazy. I love that. That is awesome. I love that. Oh, my that. God. Oh, right now. So it means you created a, another Chuck, but you, you're only this Chuck. And so that's right. all you know. That other, that other guy is actually happy. And he's having fun. <laughs> <laughs> I try to think about that every time I get a parking ticket, you know, that there's some other parallel universe where I didn't. But then I think a bit more and realize there's another parallel universe where I got towed. You win some, you lose some. All right. Max, we got to call it quits there. there. It's been a delight to have you on. Um, It's always great to talk to you and probe your brain for all the fun stuff that you're thinking about. So thanks for being on Star Talk. Chuck, always good to have you. Always a pleasure. All right. This has been Star Talk Cosmic Queries, the Multiverse Edition. Neil deGrasse Tyson, bidding you to keep looking up. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.